0: Last week, we looked at Luke 1, verses 26 and following, where the angel Gabriel announced to Mary that she would, in fact, give birth to the Messiah. This week, our focus is primarily on Mary's subsequent actions as a result of that announcement. Now, in order to do that, I think it's best that we look back, way back, even earlier than what we read last week, because I want you to see something. The reason I want to reach all the way back, only to bring us all the way forward is because I really think it's the best way to approach our text today. So at the top of your outline, you see Luke uh, 1, 39 through 56, but we're actually going to go back and look at Luke 1 and verse 5. Now, we're looking at Mary's actions following the angelic announcement that she was to give birth to Christ, and I think we can best appreciate it if we understand it within the larger context that God inspired Luke to place it in. So we're going to look at two angelic announcements, same angel, two different people, same angel, two different announcements, but a similar topic. We're going to look at those announcements, and I think by reading them back to back, you're going to see some similarities, hopefully, and you'll see what that has to do with our time today. So, uh, take a look at Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse… yeah, we'll begin in verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea… According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord on the right side of the altar of incense. Look at verse 12, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And Zechariah said to the angel, verse 18, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him. I love this. Well, the angel answered him, um, I am Gabriel. It's a great, like, will the real angel of the Lord please stand up. I, I, I am Gabriel. Verse 19, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Behold, you will be silent, unable to speak, until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. The people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service had ended, he went Home. Okay, so that's one angelic announcement, one man's response, Zechariah's response, and the subsequent actions that took place. Now, I'm going to read to you perhaps a more popular account of an angelic announcement to Mary, and you hopefully will see some parallels. Verse 26, In the sixth month, so this is six months after it's in Elizabeth's sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God, same angel, And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. similar to Zechariah, Mary had a question. Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? It's a valid question. Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. what we just read was two angelic announcements to two different people, both having to do with a baby to two people who were not expecting to have a baby. Zechariah, because he thought those days were over, and Mary, because she thought those days, quite frankly, hadn't begun. Now, the parallels between the two are stunning, but their responses couldn't be more opposite. Both end up believing. We didn't read the, the, the end. Both end up believing. Mary immediately, Zechariah not so immediately... Uh, Both end up obeying, both end up glorifying the Lord. Both are believers. They respond to Gabriel in two very different ways but get to the same place. So for the purposes of our illustration, if you would humor me, uh, you have to understand that right now they're trying to get to Eastgate and they're heading south on 471. And for a while, they are going side by side. They're on the same road with the same destination. They'll both get there eventually, but at some point, they're going to go in two very different directions. And one's going to get them there sooner and at less cost, and the other one is going to get them there eventually and at more cost. So Zechariah, there two angelic announcements. And uh, verse 11 There appeared to him an angel before the Lord. Verse 26 and 27, an angel came to Mary. Both respond initially in fear. Verse 12, Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. Verse 29, she was greatly troubled at the saying and was trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And oftentimes when angels appear before people, their first first response is, calm down, right? Calm down, don't die, calm down, I'm not here to kill you. So it's fear not, because it's not just like, oh. And this angel just comes in and everyone's like, behold, an angel. Mary's read enough of the Bible, Zechariah knows enough of the Bible that this may not be awesome. So his first thing is to say, calm down, this is good, right? I'm not going to kill you. This is good. I'm not here to pronounce judgment. I'm not here to do something that's terrible. Fear not. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, verse 13. Do not be afraid, Mary, verse 30. You found favor with God. This is a good thing. Uh, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Uh, verse 31, behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now's where they take two very different ramps to go in two very different directions. Now Zechariah says, how shall I know this? Okay, there's an angel standing before the Lord, and Zechariah says, how, how shall I know this? We're, I'm advanced in years my wife's no spring chicken, we've tried, we've prayed, we've tried, we've tried, we've prayed, we've been disappointed. How shall I know this? Mary's response, if you look at verse 34, is how will this be? That's different. How will this be? This is going to happen, but I've actually never tried to make a baby, says Mary. How will How will this how will this be? It's a valid question. Zechariah's response isn't one of faith. It's of skepticism. Gabriel said in verse 13, your prayer had been heard. Surely they'd been praying for a child. Maybe they'd stopped praying for a child because they'd grown older and understandably so, thought that ship had sailed. Nonetheless, the angel Gabriel says, your prayer has been answered. Zechariah says, "No, nah, it can't be. I mean, we're too old. How can I, how can I know this? But Mary's response isn't one of doubting. She lacks understanding as to how this can be. Zechariah is also being asked to do something, if we could just go there for a moment. Okay, Zechariah is being asked to try again, and to try again in faith, because John the Baptist was going to be conceived, not miraculously, but through both Zechariah and Elizabeth. So, your wife will conceive. So, go and try in faith. Go and do this in faith. It's going to work. Zechariah was being asked to do something. Mary was actually being asked to do nothing. This is going to happen. I'm going to give you a, uh, or not I, am Gabriel, but, but, but the Holy Spirit, God is going to give you a baby, and that's going to be Jesus. Mary's response isn't one of doubting. She just lacks understanding as to how this can be. Zechariah's response is one that says, we've tried, and we've tried, and we've tried, and we've tried. I'm not angry about it, but it hasn't worked. He was essentially being told to try again. Mary's a lot younger, likely in her early teens. She's never tried to make a baby with anyone, and therefore says, how can this be if I'm a virgin? In other words, like I said, Mary not being asked to do anything, just told what will be done. Which brings us to our first point it's not Mary's maturity, but her childlike faith that drives her to action. It's not Mary's wisdom and experience and age and logic and rational thinking that brings about the action that, that, that she then takes that we're going to read about today. It's her childlike faith. Zechariah is a man who's advanced in years, according to the text. He's also a priest, so he's not a lightweight when it comes to the knowledge of the Lord and wisdom from God's Word. Suffice it to say, he also knows a thing or two about science and how babies are made. And quite frankly, he's tried many times over the years, but it just hasn't worked. Despite the fact that he's prayed and hoped and tried and wondered and prayed and hoped and tried and it didn't work and wondered and prayed and tried again, probably stopped praying, probably gave up hope. Mary has a childlike faith. She's not allowed herself to give in to to, to rationalism uh, to the point where she becomes a skeptic. She doesn't understand it, so she asks for understanding. Now, also, I'm assuming <laughs> that Mary's like, so I'm going to have a baby, but I've, I've, I've never had sex, I'm a virgin, I'm not married, um, how, is, how will this be? And the angel Gabriel goes, it'll come by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't think Mary was like, oh, okay, that's great, as long as that's the way. Now I know, and she's totally comforted, no, no concerns now, oh, God will give me the baby. Thank you. Like, I don't think that's how she walked away from that. I think she got a little bit of information, but basically the angel Gabriel was saying, you just have to trust the Lord. God's going God's to make it happen. Then the angel Gabriel says, guess what? Your relative Elizabeth, she's pregnant. What? Yes, she's pregnant. Nothing's impossible with God. So he talks about something that God's doing that's also amazing. Nothing's impossible with God. And Mary says... I'm the Lord's servant, literally the Lord's slave. Let it be to me according to your will. Mary doesn't get it, but she believes. Mary doesn't understand it. She asks the question, how will this be? But she still doesn't have an answer. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Well, that clears it up, Gabe. Thanks. But her response is one of faith. And her response in verse that you see in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, is immediately followed by the action, the next verse in verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. Childlike faith drives us to come and see. Childlike faith drives us to come and see. Mary didn't go and visit Elizabeth to see if this was true. I don't know. We're talking about a three or four day trip, a three or four day journey, most likely on foot. She would not do that just to see if that might be true. She's doing that because she's excited that it is true. She's going to see. No one takes a three to four day journey in those days alone through into the hill country so that she can see. I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical. I've got, I'm not sure. I want to see if this Is this legit just for real, she's excited. She leaves, it says in verse 39, with haste into the hill country. Childlike faith drives us to come and see. We don't really think through it, and it's not that we're not thinking people, but we know God, we know He's good, we know He's for us, so it drives us to come and see if we have that childlike faith. As you know, yesterday uh, we had a blizzard, about an eighth of an inch, that fell. Listen to me. My kids were pumped, okay? They're standing at the window, and they're seeing the snowfall. You can't even see it at the ground yet. There's high fives all around, talks of sledding, snowball fights, snowmen making. I think it was an eighth of an inch, but they're just excited. Silas is pumped. I mean, he's come, Silas is my four-year-old. Now, he is pumped about it. He came up, he was jumping on our bed saying, maybe this will make Christmas come. <laughs> Justin and I looked at each other like, yeah, it's not, that's not how it works. Christmas is going gonna, gonna to come when it comes. So, I don't really know what he meant by that, but he's just excited. He's just excited. He's in awe of what's happening. He wants to get out there. He wants to play in the eighth of an inch of snow and roll around his pudgy little body. He's just excited. I'm kind of annoyed, okay, because I have to go somewhere fairly far away uh, that night for a dinner party, and I'm, re- I'm thinking, oh, how much is it going to fall are they going to get to it? They're not really in a rush to get to it on a weekend because there's no work and there's no school. Is it going to take us forever? Last year we went to this same dinner party and it took us forever to get home. Do you remember that one night? It was a Saturday night. It's the night Matt and Catherine Ross got into an accident where everything iced over and I was crawling down the double A at like... One mile an hour it took us forever. So I'm thinking, oh, do we, should we leave earlier? Should we leave? And Silas is jumping up and down on the bed, thinking this is what's going to usher in Christmas. And I'm going, oh, why? 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 It's what it's like to be a kid. It's what it's like to have childlike hope. It's not based in weather predictions or patterns. It's not based in science. I see snow. Yes! It's not based, wait a minute, where's your phone? Can we check the, it's not based in reality, it's based in hope. It could, this could be good, this could be great. We love snow, yay. All the kids uh, on Christmas morning. When we wake up, probably unla- not unlike you if you have kids or when you were a kid, they run down the stairs, run, 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 run to the Christmas tree. Sarah and I do the, the kind of tired walk waddle. They run straight to the Christmas tree. We run straight to the coffee pot. And we're running, and, 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 and no, we don't run anywhere. We walk and eventually get to the coffee pot. And they're excited. Why? They wonder, they hope, they don't really know, but it's going to be good. They wonder, they hope, they don't really know, but it's going to be good lying in their bed saying, should we run? I don't know if I want to run. The presents probably aren't going anywhere. I could open them later, catch up on some sleep. No, none of that. Nobody got time for that. They run straight down those stairs to that tree because they're excited and they're pumped. Sarah and I are older. We're not old people, but older than them. And we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. We'll just kind of, all right, we'll get there. Childlike faith. Childlike hope. That's not naivete on their part to run down to a Christmas tree. It's wonder. It's hope. Mary had childlike faith and wonder. She believed what Gabriel told her and traveled to go see for herself, and she was in a hurry. She wouldn't have traveled three to four days on foot just to make sure it's true. She went to see for herself what the Lord had done. Psalm 66 and verse 5. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of men. But it's more than just seeing. Childlike faith drove Mary to both come and see, but also drove, gave her the faith to go and tell. Also gave her the faith to go and tell. Just the sight of a snowflake falling out of the sky yesterday brought all of my children up from the basement. So one child saw it, okay, on the first floor, ran down to the basement, told the other kids... Okay? And so you hear the stampede. You just hear its It's kind of gentle at first. They come running up the stairs, let the basement door slam, much to my chagrin. Come running around and running up the other stairs to our room, bust in our room, just all this stampede where it's snowing! And they all scream that it's snowing. Silas thinks that means Christmas is now. They're all talking about skiing and sledding and all this other stuff. Eighth of an inch. All just excited. But it's that childlike faith and wonder and hope that drives them to want to tell. Look, it's snowing. They don't say, should we yell that it's snowing? How much is it going to snow? Jonathan, you check the weather forecast. I'm going to go read up on the Farmer's Almanac. Do we want to yell about this? Is this worth yelling? I only have so much yell. I can't. I can't. They don't think like that. It's snowing. That's all they care. It's snowing. Childlike faith drives them to go and see. Childlike faith drives us to go and see tell. In Luke 1:46 and following, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, now all generations will call me blessed. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Childlike faith drives us to come and see, but also to go and tell. That's why Mary's doing this. She's not going to just, oh, I want to see the veracity of this claim, see if that angel's crazy, see if I'm crazy, because I just heard from an angel that I'm going to have a baby even though I've never tried to make a baby. I don't know. She says, I'm a handmaiden of the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm a, I'm a slave of the Lord. I'm, I'm bound to him. I just want to please him. I don't get it. I don't know where he's leading, but I'm going to go. And then her excitement sends her running with haste to see what God has done. What about you? Can you look back on days gone by when you were perhaps more active in your walk with the Lord? Um, Do you feel that you've in some ways outgrown God? Outgrown the the wonder and the, the hope I know God can. Maybe he will. I know God can. Maybe he will. Maybe that's changed. So I know God can. He likely won't. He hasn't thus far. Can he? Yeah, he can do everything. He probably won't because he hasn't. Friends, if anyone had any reason to, be- to think that way, it would have been Mary. She's a young teenager living in a time where God has been virtually silent for 400 years. This is probably maybe this is just crazy talk. I don't know if it's... but childlike faith, not immaturity, not childishness, childlikeness, is what gives her the faith that she has to believe. Now we talk a lot about growth in Christ at Grace Fellowship Church. Lots about progressive sanctification. Lots about being more like Jesus and less like ourselves. He must increase. I must decrease. But although we're called to grow beyond our childish ways, God also calls us to remain childlike in our hearts when it comes to how we relate to Him. Uh, Mark 10, verse 15, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Matthew 18, verses 3 and 4, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Heaven. In fact, of all the names believers are referred to as throughout the Scripture, saints, brothers and sisters, and family of God, anything that you can find, the nation of, I mean, anything you can find that's referring to the, the people of God, there is none more frequently used than the term children. And I don't think that's without purpose. Now, again, don't get me wrong. There's something to be said about growing in our walks with God. Just don't outgrow God. We should grow in our faith, just don't outgrow faith. That kind of all makes sense to me now because I've, I've been walking with the Lord for a while and I don't have a lot of questions. So, I just... Bad, bad place to be. Bad place to be in our walks with the Lord. As much as God wants us to grow, He still wants you to call Him Daddy. You say, that feels kind of weird. You might be too grown up for your own spiritual good. I saw this quote after the outline. It's not in your outline, but Charles Dickens says, It is good to be children sometimes and never better than at Christmas when its mighty founder was a child himself. In what ways do you need to return to the childlike faith that you've perhaps outgrown? Maybe earlier in your walk you were hoping, you were praying, you were looking for something, for an an opportunity to, to be a witness Around this time of year, you get to see that friend, that family member, that friend of the family, that person who's like family. And you're you're hoping, you're you you were hoping for an opportunity to say something, a word in due season, something about Jesus, something that they might know. And now that that hope is gone. That desire is gone. Either you've consciously put it to bed, I'm done. I am D-O-N-E done, I'm done praying, I'm done trying the lord's going to save he'll save but it's obviously not going to be through me i'm done or just subconsciously that faith has kind of waxed cold that hope is no longer as it once was as it should be there's no more maybe this year maybe this time maybe when we're around them this time maybe it'll maybe it'll happen there's not that kid running down the stairs to the tree i don't know what's there but, but it's going to be good maybe it, it it's 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 just oh it's it's kind of, yeah, he, he might. I, he can. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just prepared for him not to. Not to heal. Not to save. Not to call. Not to equip. Because he can, but he, he probably won't. I mean, let's face it, who among us can't relate to Zechariah? You say all of us. Gabriel hasn't spoken to us. Granted, but I mean, as far as having a situation in our lives that we've hoped for, for a long, long time, a situation that's good. And it just hasn't happened. And so maybe you're like me. I was thinking about this earlier this week. I tend to, foolishly, but I tend to insulate myself in cynicism. Can any of you relate to that? I insulate myself in cynicism. If you can't, I'm glad but I do. I have this ridiculous notion that if I expect to be disappointed with the results when the results are not what I really wanted, I won't be disappointed. And then if it's what I would love, then I'll be pleasantly surprised. But this way, if it's it's like a net zero or a plus, but there's no minus, and it's ridiculous because it just results in me being disappointed before the fact and after the fact. It just surrounds me with negativity, surrounds me with a stone-cold heart, makes me kind of mutter prayers, kind of, sort of, but not really, because there's not that hope, there's not that expectation, there's not that desire, there's cynicism. Lord, I know you can, but you likely won't, because you haven't thus far, and you're God, and you can do what you want, but maybe if you could do this, that'll be be awesome. And we get this face, this, we give God a nod. And that will never lead you to worship. Yeah, he's just this acknowledgement that He's kind of there and I know He can but He hasn't. And probably deep down in our hearts there's bitterness that we would be afraid to admit. It's not maturity. It's not age. It's not experience. It's childlike faith that drove Mary to do what she did. It's that same picture that we get of of the kids that are just, they're just excited because it's good. They're just excited because it's good. Your kids were shoveling the driveway and there was no snow on the driveway. You posted that on Facebook. Just excited because it's good. Let's get out there with the shovels. There's no snow to shovel. I just want to shovel the sound, the action, Christmas, yay, snow. It's silly. It's really silly. There's a lot of hope there. There's a lot of emotion there. There's a lot of excitement there. God says, be like kids. You'll enter the kingdom by humbling yourself like this little child. Zechariah, it was, yeah, no, that ship has sailed, pal. How can this be? Really? Really? Try again? Really? you know how many times I've been let down? Do you know how many times we've hoped? Do you know how many times we've prayed? Do you know how many times we kind of thought, but then it wasn't? Two very different directions to the same place, because they both end up believing. But Mary leaves rejoicing. Zechariah leaves mute. Mary leaves saying, I can't wait to go and see. Zechariah goes home. not Mary's maturity, but it's her childlike faith. Also, if you look at what Mary says in the text that we read today, the songs she, song she sings, it's not her words, but the words of God that are on her heart and on her lips. If you look at the, the, the words in Luke 1, verses 46 and following, there's very little, this is a huge cover, all right? There's very little of her own, her own words here. She is quoting and reciting the Word of God that she knows to be true. And why is that important for us, to, for us to realize? Well, here's why. Knowing God, she's standing in the presence of Elizabeth. Okay? She gets into Elizabeth's house. Okay? She's, she's pregnant. Her husband's mute. She's six months into her pregnancy. The baby leaps at the sound of her greeting. Elizabeth says, do you realize what just happened? As you're talking to me, the baby leaped in my womb. And then Mary just goes into this song, just into this, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has looked on the humble estate of His servant, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Knowing God's Word allows us to encourage other believers. Knowing God's Word means that we can encourage other believers with other than, oh, this really cool thing happened and it was kind of nice. Isn't that a fun coincidence? Isn't that cool? It's funny when those things happen. We can offer people so much more than the world can if we know God's Word and we're not afraid to use it and to share it with people. Romans 15 and verse 4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Friends, Mary was well acquainted with the Word of God. Knowing these things from her youth, knowing these things from the time that she was a little, little, little girl, and the answer that she got from Gabriel is not what gave her faith the strength and the endurance that it needs. It was what she knew of God. She knew that God was good. She knew that God was for her. She knew that God loved her. She knew that even though she doesn't know how this is going to exactly happen, God is still good. And I'm not sure where he's taking me, but I'm following. I'm not sure how we're going to get there, but I'm going. Knowing God's Word allows us to encourage other believers with something more than just flattery or something more than just, Oh, I, I hope I hope you are happy, or I something more even beyond Merry Christmas beyond, I'm not I'm not saying don't say Merry Christmas, I'm just saying it gives us something to give to people that really has meat on it. It points people to something eternal, not to well, I mean no job stinks forever. I'm sure eventually it'll get better and you know, maybe you're Maybe, maybe you'll have a transfer. Maybe, I mean, to point people to something outside of themselves, to make them realize that the Lord has provided a solution and hope and mercy and grace to a problem that's way bigger than whatever is encompassing your life right now. It's good news. And knowing God's Word gives us freedom to help us to understand God's will. John 8, verse 31 and 32, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you abide in My Word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If we know God's Word, we have the freedom to understand God's will. But listen, not to understand the details. We still don't. So Mary did not understand the details. How will this happen? I'm a virgin. The Holy Spirit will do it. Got it. All right. She still didn't understand the details, but she can rest knowing that God is still good. She can rest knowing, I don't know exactly what's going to happen to me because I'm going to get a baby. I'm not going to have to make the baby. It's gonna, God's going to give me the ba- I don't know how that's going to work. I'm a servant of God. Let it be according to His will. And she can say that and mean that but she didn't say that and mean that just because she just all of a sudden decided, you know what, this doesn't really matter what with how I'm going to get a baby and all that stuff. I mean, I know I'm engaged and I live in a shame-based culture, but whatever, it's really not a big deal. No, it's just all of a sudden, you know what? God's good. I would love these answers, but I'm going to serve Him either way. You know how I know that? I know His Word. It's not from things that have happened in her life recently. Again, God's been all but silent for 400 years. This is the, 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 the intertestamental period, as you might call it. But you know what? I know His Word. I know how He's redeemed us. I know that He's for us. I know that He loves us. And this is, this is crazy, but I know He's good. That's what God's Word gives Mary. That's what God's Word should have given Zechariah. And it just didn't at the time. Can you blame him? Who among us can't relate to Zechariah? Oh, yeah, God. Uh, I'm kind of old. I love the response. Uh, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, I'm Gabriel. I'm kind of a big deal. Like an angel. You were scared of me moments ago. Boo. Like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Gabriel. This is a big deal. Mary knew way less than Zechariah did about her circumstances and newfound lot in life. Zechariah was going to make a baby with his wife, something he'd prayed for, no doubt, and tried many times before, and the difference is this time he was told that it would take. That's amazing, but not as amazing as Mary's situation because she was going to have a baby without trying to make one, and yet it's Mary, not the priest of old, but tender young Mary, who we see singing not long after Gabriel's announcement. Why? Childlike faith, knowledge of God's Word, helps her to connect the dots between what she didn't know and the God that she did know. Mary knew the Word. How has your understanding of God's Word impacted your life during a time of confusion? How has God's Word proven to be uh, strengthening to your faith, which is, as he, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 1 says, is the, 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 the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. So, here's a circle, but it doesn't fully connect. I don't see how it's going to work. How is it going to... Ha- and then faith picks up where facts leave off. How has God's Word strengthened your faith, impacted your life? How has it enabled you to encourage other people? With something more than just, it'll work out. I mean, I had a friend and it worked out, so maybe you'll be like my friend. It will be better. But you say, you know what? I don't know, but I know, I know God is in control. I know that while you think things are just tumbling out of control, that God is on it. Do you, do you trust God? You don't trust God. Here's why I do trust God. But that's not going to happen without a working knowledge of God's Word because we forget. So I want to encourage you with one last thing that occurred to me when I was studying this week, um, and that is this. When we look at Mary's example, we're reminded that there is a blessing for those of us who respond as she did right? There's a blessing for those of us who respond as she did. If the goal is to get to Eastgate, we're pretty blessed if we go if we take go down on, on 471 and go east instead of west. You get there sooner, it costs you less. There's a blessing to the people who respond as Mary did, with what seems to be perfect childlike trust, with what seems to be the fastest way between here and there. There's a blessing, and maybe that's you. But maybe you're the person who You've, you've heard these, these things I've known since my youth. You've, you've heard these things since you can remember. And you say, there is a blessing. There is a blessing to believing sooner rather than later. And I, by God's mercy and grace, have done that. Not not because I'm so smart or because I'm so cool, but God has, in His mercy and grace, granted me faith. And I've seen my life spared from a lot of the mistakes that my unbelieving friends or family member have had to go through. I, I've, I've not been disciplined or chastened as they, as they have been. We're reminded that there is a blessing. We're reminded that people who have childlike faith and go and see what God is doing and go and tell what God is doing, that childlike faith will drive us to be used by God faster. It's evident in the text. But we're also reminded of something else. Because you might be sitting here and you say, I'm not, not Mary. I'm not Mary either because I haven't known these things since my youth or I'm not Mary because I, I, I don't respond. I did not respond in faith that way. It, I, it took a lot more uh, either browbeating or proof or just thinking and I, I had to be saved out of skepticism and I'm, not, I'm just not, not that chick. I'm not her. Not like Mary. Or you might be sitting here today saying, no, I'm not like Mary because this whole thing is new to me. This whole story, gospel, virgin having birth, this is all stuff I might have heard from, but it's all new to me, or, or, and, and I, I just don't get it. We're also reminded that there's a blessing for those of us who learn to believe in spite of doubt. That's what Zechariah did. He took the long way to Eastgate, but he got there. He took a long way, and he didn't get to speak of his joy of the Lord for nine months because of his unbelief. He took the long way, but he got there. God was still merciful. God was still gracious and kind. God still used him. God didn't say, you know what, you don't believe? Be gone. And I'm going to go and have John the Baptist come with another couple. God still used him, God still loved him. He's still a believer. And the bottom line is this, the sooner you believe, the sooner you experience the joy and the awe and the excitement of worshiping and working for our great God. Now, maybe you have, in a sense, outgrown the awe you once had for God. Maybe you're kind of just walking down the stairs, and instead of going for the tree, you go for the coffee. Maybe that's a metaphor for life when it comes to you and your approach to God's Word, your approach to serving Him. Maybe you're too busy, too old, too smart, too wise, too mature, too awesome. I don't know. For your own good. And the childlike faith you once had, you've wrongfully associated with childlikeness. And I'm beyond that now. Now I know. I kind of got God figured out. He's right about here. And I do things that are right about here. And I pray right according to That can change. The end of Zechariah's story is not the same as it is in the beginning. You may have experienced the chastening hand of God in your life because of unbelief. Zechariah was muted. I don't know what it looks like for you, but maybe the Lord is calling you out of unbelief and into belief. Maybe the Lord is calling you out of a skeptic's mindset and saying, I love you. I'm real. Jesus is real. Jesus died for your sins. And calling you to the truth of the gospel, reminding you that you're a sinner, but that Jesus saves. That you sin in thought, word, and deed, that you're a sinner by nature and you're a sinner by choice, but Jesus saves. That there's hope in Christ, that even though you cannot save yourself, you can't undo what you've done, you can't be perfect enough, it's just hopeless, but God has provided us hope, and His name is Christ. That He sent a Savior into the world through the womb of a virgin that would die and take the penalty that you deserve. That God is angry with the wicked each and every day, but He's taken His wrath out on His Son instead of Peter. Instead of Jimmy. Instead of Kelly. Instead of Louis. Instead of Katie. Instead of people, real people, with real souls, with real eternal destinies, who have been given more than we could ever, ever merit. Psalm 95 verse 7 says, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. When the Lord calls people to repentance, as you read through the Scriptures, it's never like, hey, you know what? You should, you should believe one of these days. When you get to it, it's always with urgency. <laughs> Repent now. Today is the day of salvation. You haven't believed. Either you've never believed or you've wandered from what you used to believe. But guess what? Put your hand in front of your mouth. God's given you breath. He's given you another day of life. The reason today is the day of salvation is because I know today you have And today is the day of salvation because God is good and his gospel is true and he calls people to himself in saving faith and repentance. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, working together with him then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain for he says in a favorable time I listened to you and in a day of salvation I have helped you and I just want to throw it out to you, yes you, that that day might be today for you. That day might be today for you, where it all changes. And it may not be a big, dramatic, emotional event for you. It might be. Or it might be that you just say, you know what? I believe. And I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try to please Him with my life. Here I go. Because today is the day of salvation for all, even you, all who would believe. Father in heaven, I ask you to bless the preaching of your word in a way that would glorify you and edify us. I pray that you would restore unto us the joy of our salvation as the psalmist David prayed in Psalm 51, I pray that you would grant to some the joy of salvation that they've never, ever, ever known. And I pray that as a result of not just this Christmas season or this time of year, but as a result of your word, you, O God, would save souls. That you would move in the hearts and minds of your people, and that you, Lord, would be glorified as a result of what you've done through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.